Good morning. It's good to see you. Glad you are here. Welcome to the porch. Um, it looks like to me that there's a lot of people at church with their mama today somewhere. Um, but it's good to see you guys. I'm glad that you are here. A very happy Mother's Day to all of you um, moms and grandmas and aunts and people who are moms to a lot of people. Um, a very happy Mother's Day to you. So if you haven't told happy Mother's Day to those people that are in your life, I hope that you'll do that before um, the day is over. Most definitely, please do that. Um, it's good to be with you. We've The last two weeks, I've been able just to be here in worship with you just like you are because uh, two weeks ago, our kids' pastor Kristen shared on our kids' Sunday. And then last week, uh, Justin, our, our student and worship pastor, he kicked off this series called Playlist where we are taking songs and looking at them in a much deeper way, looking at them through Scripture. And we're not just taking any songs, but we are taking hymns and worship songs that have really been impactful to us, that say a lot to us and, and speak a lot um, to us. And so we're just kind of go into those and look into that. And so I hope that you will uh, be encouraged in that way. So the song or hymn that I chose for today, actually I, I chose it for this day, and it, it's kind of bittersweet in the fact that it's a song, a hymn, that I had played at my mother's funeral. Um, this is my seventh Mother's Day without my mom, and I know for some of you, you have had many more Mother's Days than that without your mother. Um, and it's, yeah, she passed away in 2015. And the reason I chose this hymn to talk about today was because while we were planning her funeral, my siblings and I, uh, I chose this hymn to be played by the, the organist at the church that my mom grew up going to. She went to school there. We went there when I was a kid um, at St. Benedict's Catholic Church in, in my hometown. Now, here's the thing about this hymn. It was written in 1873, but I had never heard it until I was about 24, 25 years old. I was a new believer. I was going to church with my friend, and she actually sang it as a solo that Sunday. And I was like, wow, that's an amazing song. Um, because it spoke it, totally to me as a new believer, and yet it was, it's been around forever. I just never heard it. Um, when I mentioned it to the funeral director and to the organist at the church to play it, she had never heard of it either. And the reality is, is that I don't think that this particular hymn made a splash on the Catholic circuit. <laughs> um, because it, there's, it talks about some, some real assurances of salvation that don't really jive with, with uh, Catholic theology and doctrine. And so it kind of makes sense. But it, at the time, I thought, well, that's really kind of weird. But she was, and the organist was blown away by this. She was like, I'm going to definitely use this from here forward. So, but it talks about this spiritual assurance. And so, so in this second week of our playlist series, we're going to look at the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It is well with my soul. Now, for some of you, you're going, oh, I love that one. I'd, I'd never heard it until I was a new believer. I'd never heard it until my friend sang the solo that Sunday. Now, kind of like uh, Justin and Be Thou My Vision last week, there's a lot of stanzas that either we don't normally sing or that we just don't even know about because we haven't sung them. So I'm going to look at, we're going to look at four of them today. Stanzas one, two, three, and then as usual, six, like all the way down to the last one, right? So there are four stanzas, one, two, three, and six. Um, I would encourage you later to go and just Google it and look up all the lyrics to the whole, or the stanzas, to the whole hymn and, and read it because it's pretty powerful. 
Um, speaking of powerful, and I know you addressed this last week too, but there is something about music. There is something about music. I've said it so many times. It's like how we are hardwired, how God has created our mind and our ears, that something about music is so powerful. It speaks to us in a way that the spoken word doesn't. It speaks to us in a way that the written word that we read from a page doesn't. There's just something about music, and that is God-given. That is just straight up God-made, God-given, the power of music, the power to hear music, how it evokes emotion within us, how it is like a time portal, right? You hear some songs, and it's just like you've stepped into another time. I hear like Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles or Steely Dan, and I am back to like 1979 on a Saturday at home because those are the albums my parents are playing. I mean, it's like a time machine, right? We hear songs, and it's like, oh, that reminds me of high school. You know, oh, that reminds me, you know, oh, that reminds me of college. You know, like, we hear music. It just has this power. And, and God uses this in such a, a profound way. And the other thing I think about, and I'm kind of giving a little precursor to this before we jump into looking at these stanzas, is that power, uh, music has this way of being able to express feeling, again, that we might not be able to just in conversation. Um, there's something about being able to, put down on paper or type it out on, on an iPad or something where we're just like, this is what I am feeling. And, and we're able to put these things out there. And often, some of the best songs ever written came out of heartbreak. I mean, heartbreak, you know, like the breakup, right? Or the loss of someone. Um, the, 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 a time changing or a time going by that heartbreak comes up. Now, I'm sure this is true but I, I'm not, I can't pinpoint them. But I think about this particular hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And the fact that it was written out of absolute heartache, heartbreak. And yet, it is a song of praise. It's a song of gratitude. It's a song of declaring who God is. And it's, it's so, so very powerful. And so, here is... Here's the, the background on this hymn. Horatio Spafford is the name of, this, of, of the guy who wrote it. He was born in 1828. He lived 60 years. He died in 1888. He was an attorney. Uh, he was a real estate developer. He was very well off in the city of Chicago. And he was a believer. And he was really connected with Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, and the ministry, the evangelism that was going on and kind of sweeping the country at this time. So he's well off. He's involved in ministry. He's not just writing a check, but he's going uh, to these uh, outreaches and events, and he's part of that ministry. And so he's married. He has a wife named Anna, and they have uh, five children. They have four girls and then a little boy, the youngest being a boy. And so he is going along, being an attorney, being a real estate develop developer, participating in ministry, and then tragedy strikes them, heartbreak strikes them in 1871 um, scarlet fever took the life of their youngest son now I I can't put into words I have I don't ever want to be able to have the ability to put into words what that would be like but that's heartbreak right that's heartbreak 
um, not much, not nearly even, can't even compete to the heartbreak, but, but just like another blow to, to their life, just a few months after losing their son, the great Chicago fires happen and wipe out much of the city, wipe out most of his real estate holdings. And so they just limp along for a while. Still a believer, still involved. Actually, he, is, he was one of the people that helped to rebuild the city of Chicago. So his faith was still there. But can you imagine the heartache, right? But he still hadn't written this hymn. He still had, this, this was not what caused him to sit down and write this. So two years go by helping to rebuild the city, continuing to do ministry, grieving the loss of their son. And in 1873, he and his wife Anna and their four girls had planned a trip to Europe. Obviously, they're not jumping on a plane. This is the 1800s. So they're going by ship. Well, Horatio had business to attend to, stay back in Chicago. And so Anna and the four girls went ahead, and he was going to join uh, behind them a few days or a week or so later. Um, On the way, on the trip... On the voyage over, another vessel strikes the ship that Anna and the four girls are on, and the boat sinks. They know the ship has gone down. They know people were lost, but it wasn't for several days until Horatio received a telegram from his wife, Anna, with two words that said, saved alone. So all four of his daughters perished. I can't imagine I don't want to be able to imagine that kind of tragedy, that kind of heartache, and that kind of pain. Horatio gets on the next ship available to go over. Several others were going as well that had relatives on the the ship. And as they're making their way across, the captain of the vessel they're in alerts everyone on the boat that they are now passing through the area where the ship went down. And it's while they're crossing over that part in that place, that Horatio says that the Lord gave him the lyrics, the words, to it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And the the thing about this, and you're going to see these words in a moment, is that uh, unlike a lot of heartbreak songs, a lot, unlike a lot of uh, tragedy that, that, causes someone to write down words and then put music to it. It focuses less, and this just is a testament to his faith, is it focuses less on, on who was lost, who he loved dearly, but it was actually focused more on who hope can be found in. So Spafford undoubtedly, undoubtedly was shattered by the loss of his daughter's still grieving the loss of his son, but his heart turned to the faithfulness of God. In in the midst of loss, in the midst of all that, he turns towards and declares the work of Jesus in the life of those who love him. So what we're going to see here in this hymn, I do want to point this out. I want to make this very clear. It does not gloss over pain. It does not gloss over tragedy. He, he points this out. He is not, you know, the, I think the worst thing we can say as followers of Jesus when someone is dealing with, with loss and someone is dealing with tragedy is for us to be like, oh, it's, oh, you'll be fine. Or, oh, you know, God just needed an angel and he, everything's good. And No, 
It's, it's okay to grieve, and it's okay to be heartbroken, but to declare the goodness of God shows something about our faith. And this is what Horatio does. He declares that God is greater than the pain. He declares God is greater than the tragedy. He declares all of this. And I, have, I, just, I will ask the question because you might wonder it as well. How in the world, how in the world could someone write the words, it is well with my soul, who has lost five of his children in three years' time? How in the world? But he did. He declared that it was well with his soul. 149 years after that tragedy, that's right now today, God is still using those words that he gave to him to write as he passed over that tragic place. And he's used them to bring comfort to people who are suffering, and he's used them to bring hope. I know for a fact that this song brought comfort and hope to my family as we grieved the loss of my mom. So let's look at stanza one together. It says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, Okay, so it's, it's like it's a, it's a very peaceful scene. It's, it's this river of life. It's this river of hope. It's a river that is, it's not a raging river. It's not running out. You know, it's, it's a, when peace is attending my way. So this is a good picture that he paints. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Can you imagine Spafford on that boat, middle of the Atlantic Ocean, as he's riding about these sea billows that roll and the power behind them. And he says this, whatever my lot, okay, whatever, whatever circumstance, whatever's given to me, whatever my lot, thou, God, thou has taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. God gives us moments where, where we're able to praise. God gives us moments of happiness and joy. We experience these moments and they're good. He gives us uh, these relationships and opportunities where it is good and it's peaceful and he blesses us. But you know what? <laughs> Friends, you don't, you don't start, you don't sit, stand on a boat writing lyrics after your four children have just been tragically lost at sea, and the first line, you don't write peace. You don't write when peace comes to me unless, unless you know the Savior of the world. There is absolutely no way you write about peace unless you have experienced that peace. There's no way you write about peace unless you know that peace. And that peace has a name. And it's Jesus Christ. And that's what Horatio writes. The first line of this song in his heartbreak. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. So there's peace and there's sorrow. This is the, the, the journey of life that you and I are on. And, pa and Spafford, he experienced peace and he had experienced definitely sorrow. Here he is, but he's, he's not given up on God. He's declaring who God is. 
One of the things that I found interesting in the story of Horatio Spafford is that even after, yes, he helped rebuild the city between 1871 and 73, after his son had died from scarlet fever and the city burned. Yes, he helped those two years rebuild, but he helped post-1873. He continued to be part of ministry. He continued to be part of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't stop. He didn't give up. He continued. He took the talents that God had given him. He helped to rebuild people's lives. And then he says this, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say... Philippians chapter 4 is a place we hung out together for quite a while in a series we just did. But in verses 11 through 13, it says this. Paul writes, I have learned, okay, this is whatever my lot, okay? I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Whatever my lot, whatever my circumstance, whatever is before me, whatever comes my way. Again, think about the moment. Think about the time frame in which he wrote these words. Because how many of us, we'd, we'd want a caveat. We want a loophole. God, I will write these words as long as you keep my family safe. God, I will sing these words all day long as long as I have my children. God, I will, I will declare this from the rooftops. I'll tell all of Chicago and everywhere beyond that as long as I don't lose my, my, my wealth. But no, he's saying, whatever my lot, whatever comes my way, it is well, it is well with my soul. And so like Philippians 4, we, it says we have this source of strength. That you have taught me to say, God, we have a source of strength regardless of the situation. And it's all found in the love of God through Jesus Christ. That's the thou that he speaks of. Regardless of the situation, it is well. Regardless of the circumstance, it is well. Regardless of the pain, it is well. Because of the love of God through Jesus Christ. Stanza 2 begins, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Well, that says buffet, Shannon. <laughs> Satan invented buffets. That's what you got from today's message, though. Though Satan should buffet. What does buffet mean? I had to look it up. I didn't know. Some of y'all know because you're smarter than me. But here's what it says. Here's what buffet means. It means a violent shock. Okay? Buffet means a concussion. Buffet means to strike as with a fist or with a hand. Buffet means to strike against or push repeatedly. And so Horatio Spafford says, though Satan is going to beat the tar out of me, Though trials will come my way. Do you suppose, because they're believers, Horatio and Anna, do you suppose that after they've lost their children and much of their wealth and much of their uh, ability to, to, I mean, just to function, you know, without just being overwhelmed with grief, 
Like, do you think that the enemy, we have an enemy, by the way, do you think that the enemy was like, huh, they've had enough? Absolutely not. And you know that. If you've been doing this, this journey of faith thing for any period of time, you know full well that when stuff happens, it seems like that's when the enemy turns it up. But what Horatio is saying is, even though Satan is going to just keep coming after me, even though it's going to happen, even though the enemy is going to continue to kind of come, to come after me, though trials are most definitely going to come my way, 1 Peter 5.8 says, we have an enemy, he's a devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whoever he can take out. We, we sang earlier, Joyner sang it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, God. See, though Satan should buffet, I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by God. He, here's his follow-up line. So, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, that's just reality. Let this blessed assurance control let this assurance, let this blessed assurance control. What does that mean? Well, Romans 8, verses 35 uh, through 39, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Horatio Spafford could add on, or the loss of my precious children? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he goes on. This is the convincing. This is the blessed assurance. For I am convinced that neither the... Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's blessed assurance. That is blessed assurance. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. Let this be the truth. Let this be what is in the forefront of my mind. Let this be what I see. Let this be what I proclaim. Instead of putting my focus on all that's falling apart, let this be the assurance in my life. Even when it doesn't make sense, this is my assurance. And then he puts into his own words, Spafford does, of what he means by blessed assurance. And this is beautiful, friends. This is the assurance that Spafford had. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate. Absolutely hopeless. Absolutely helpless, he must have felt. Christ has regarded my helpless estate. And you'd think, well, that's just good enough to know that somebody knows and someone cares. But no, it's, it's more than that because he says, and hath shed, Christ hath shed his own blood for my soul. 
That's the assurance. The assurance is in Jesus Christ. This is the assurance that Spafford writes of in the middle of his tragedy. Jesus. In stanza three, he says, he goes on. He's continuing to, to make this reality so. He says, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Whoever thought that would be a sentence, right? But on its own, yeah, you're going, oh, hold on a minute. He says, my sin, not in part, not some of it, not just the stuff I'm willing to admit out loud, not just the stuff that I'm, I'm willing to, to confess and say, yeah, I know this is a problem. Yeah, I'm kind of working on it. No, but he says, not, my sin, not in part, but every part of it, every single bit of it, the whole of it has been nailed to the cross. And he bears it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It's what he writes. He writes this. 1 Peter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This is what Horatio Spafford writes in the middle of his tragedy. He is declaring the goodness of God, the work of Jesus Christ to save us. This is why he is able to say, because well with my soul. The assurance that God is greater than our tragedy. The assurance that God is greater than any happiness that we could ever have. The assurance that the, the depravity and the darkness of our sin is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and removed from the sight of God. Mm. Let this blessed assurance control. Yeah, Satan might buffet. Yeah, he might come after me. Yeah, I'm grieving. Yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah, I'm low. Yes, this is the worst moment of my life. This is a moment I never, ever want to relive. I never, ever want this to happen again. Some of us, we understand these thoughts. We understand these words. We've been in that place. And he declares the goodness of God and what Christ has done for him. In stanza six, he says this, And Lord, haste the day. When my faith shall be sight. God, would you hurry up the day when what I believe right now about you, I'm actually going to see with my eyes. And you totally understand why a father who's lost five of his children wants to be able to see with his eyes what he hasn't been able to see on this earth. Would this father, this mother, have desire Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. And even so, it is well with my soul. That's a, that's a scary moment for people who aren't believers. <laughs> I think it might be a little a knee shaker even for those of us who are. To see something like that. To experience something like that. But even so, it is well with my soul. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself, this is where, this is, Horatio Spafford knew God's word. He, he was writing God's word. He writes, this is what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, but you see where stanza uh, six comes from. 
He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What Horatio Spafford did, what he wrote, was because of his unwavering faith. It was because of his unwavering faith in these truths. I believe it's because of that faith that he did not absolutely disintegrate upon the loss of his family. I believe it was only because of his faith in God and that he knew that his God was with him no matter what, whatever his lot. That nothing could separate him from God's love because that's what his word told, the, the word of God told him. That, that he knew that one day he would put his eyes on his children again. Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. He knew he was going to put his eyes on his children again one day. And it's because of that he was able to go forward. He was able to put one foot in front of the other. That he was able to get out of bed every morning. And to be used by God. And we could say, yes, he had wealth and he had, um, you know, he knew D.L. Moody and, and he had kind of position and all that. But you know how I think God used Horatio Spafford the most? This is that night on that boat as he gave him the words to write this hymn. Because it's carried on and on and on. To write these words. And it was only by faith in God that Spafford was able to write, it is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, there is no other logical reason that a human being could write those words after such tragedy, except through God because of Jesus Christ. That love of God that he has for us through Jesus as the band comes back out and they're gonna, we're going to sing a version of it as well and, and, and share this song together, I, wanna, I chose this hymn for my mom's funeral because I knew the assurance that was in her life. I knew that she was a follower of Jesus Christ and I knew that it was well with her soul. Yes, I grieved. Yes, I grieved. But I knew it was well with her soul. There was, no, there was no doubting in my mind. There was no doubting in my heart. But I also chose this hymn because I wanted the people there, even the organist. I wanted people there to, to understand what it, what it looks like, what it, what it feels like in the core of, of our existence to have assurance in a God who loves us. I wanted that assurance to be real and apparent and obvious. I wanted them to see that. I, I wanted them to know that, that in times of peace and, oh my goodness, in times of sorrow, for sure, and in times of um, I don't, being, being attacked, that there is a blessed assurance that we can have. And it's all found in Jesus Christ. So friends, my prayer for us today as we sing this song together, as we maybe allow these words to have even greater meaning, more depth of meaning to us, 
is that we will all be able to declare that it is well with our soul.